Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. Have you tried it yet? Um, a lot of requests for uh, K-Cups for Sasquatch Coffee, and it, it's uh, something we're working on to, to get out to you. So I'm going to cover a little football. I have to I digress a little bit, but uh, how about those Seahawks? I thought maybe for the second time this week that uh, a team from the Midwest would break the hearts of us left coasters, but... Uh, Damn near a miracle there that uh, the Seahawks came back and and uh, took that game in overtime. So um, don't know what was going on in the first half of that game. It looked a lot like uh, like the interception bowl, but uh, maybe they had switched some jerseys. I don't know what happened. But anyway, it was uh, it was a great game. Uh, congratulations to the Ohio State fans that uh, took out our Ducks. Um, but uh, Back to uh, Bigfoot. A few announcements. Uh, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference is still coming up on May 16th. Uh, I think there's still tickets available. Check that out at uh, www.ohiobigfootconference.com. Team Squatch in uh, USA Bigfoot Conference coming up April 24th through the 26th. And uh, the Bluff Peak Trail Camera Project is a uh, doing their annual uh, fundraising project. So if, uh, <laughs> Bruce, no, we're not miming the show. That You've got a problem. So uh, if you're uh, interested in supporting the, the Bluff Creek Trail Camera Project, uh, go to their Facebook page and, and uh, look for that. 
With me today, as always, is our my good friend, Shane Corson. Shane, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be here as usual. Looking forward to the show. Right on. So, interesting show today. Uh, last week we had uh, the Bigfoot baller, uh, Kip Morrill, on, and, and during the show um, we had William Barnes with uh, the Falcon Project who called in. And uh, after the show, we talked to to William about coming on and and being a guest. So, uh, and he was more than happy to do that. They're in the process, getting close to uh, getting the Falcon Project actually off the ground. So, if you have questions for William today, the the number to call in for for guests is three four seven three two six nine eight five nine. You probably want to write that down and put it on your refrigerator for future reference. Um, and without further ado, I'm going to I'm going to uh, Shane. Do you have anything else you want to go over before we bring Mr. Barnes on? Uh, no, no. I said just uh, really looking forward to the show. Um, you know, had a long chat with him the other night. Looking forward to uh, him sharing some stuff and talking more about this uh, Falcon project. So uh, let's bring him in. All right. Hey, William, how are you today? Good, thanks. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. The Seahawks well. game, uh, you know, helped with that, too. So. Yeah, I actually got to see the end of that. That was quite an interesting game. So, um, you are the the uh, founder and project manager of the, the Falcon Project. Um, can you tell us, for the uh, Monster X listeners, what what's the premise behind the the Falcon project? Ah, uh, it's a good question. Actually, it was just started out from years of trying to figure out research in this field and what would be the best way to conduct it after many years of studying what researchers were doing to uh, study these creatures out in the wild. And uh, started out with a drone, actually, a helium airship drone. After that, it developed into a dual airship drone out of Canada, a design that a gentleman was making. was very... uh, very good for what we're doing. And then it had to be rebuilt for our project, redesigned. So, in other words, custom made for um, backcountry videotaping. Actually, custom made all the way from one end to that, all the way to the camera. And this project has grown and grown, and it's grown so big, it's uh, just mind-boggling, to tell you the truth. Um, we got a ground crew put together, getting ready to go out this May, May, April, May. It's a recon team to start collecting information for the ground, from the ground for the airship after it's built and deployed later on. This is our first stage of the project. 
And this is a six months uh, research program in the backcountry, which is very unusual in this field of work. It's hard to get people, family work, and so on. But I've been fortunate. I have a very good crew. Uh, it's just unbelievable. It's just uh, very fortunate. And so basically what we're... Um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, so so you put you have your your team together that's going to be out in the field. That's that's. I mean, you've got all the members filled. You, you had some needs though for um, some other ways for people to participate. What? Yes. What, so uh, what were you looking runners. for? Supply runners. Supply runners. Yes, I need people to run supplies, batteries, um, out to the research team. Uh, I want to keep, keep them as light as possible. Uh, also bring out the trash, keep it clean out there. Um, these guys are going to be on the move all the time. So it's I, I don't want them hauling around 50, 60 pounds apiece. Keep them lightweight, right. mobile. Uh, recon, it's actually a recon team. Collect information for me and for the drone, for the Falcon project. Um, so there ain't no sense of killing people out there. They're going to be out there long enough as it is. And uh, if we get too far out there, this is not mile or two miles, three miles in the backcountry. We're talking 5, 10, 15, 20 miles back in the backcountry. Um, so there's not no road running into town. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's not a day trip. It's not a field trip. It's not an outing. It's about collecting information out there where these creatures live what they eat, what their territory is, what is possible to eat out there, where they sleep. Uh, we're going to be there out there for the salmon run and study the salmon run with these creatures and see if all these stories are true and from what the Indians say and people say. Uh, it's a complete study research program, actually, from one end to the other. So it's a very uh, large uh, project, very large now. Yeah, well, the logistics. Like yeah, the logistics are putting the. I mean, you're talking about six months of people being out in the field, and that. That's, yes. That, that, I mean, nobody's done it before, so I can imagine. Well, I've been out there. The se- I've been out there seven months. I've been out there seven months. I know what it's like. So. Uh, right. It's it's different, but I was mostly by myself out there, so this is totally different. Uh, I think it'll be easier for a group of people to do this. I have a 19 surveillance team um, you know we're not going to be running through the woods at night we're actually going to set up surveillance every night different areas and um, I have a day crew actually trackers professional trackers coming in and uh, put the surveillance crew where they need to be before nightfall and it's all night job it's not a you know, they're going to be up all night until daylight the next morning and then sleep during the day and then move the camp to the next place. Uh, there won't be no base camp for these guys. A lot of people are... There's a lot of people asking questions which they don't understand what what we're doing, so I'm here to answer those questions. Nobody will call me. I post my phone number all the time. Yeah. You know, people <laughs> want to know information. I have an open door, so people want to know what we're doing. They're welcome to call me. Anytime. I got an email address too out there. 
And, uh, uh, you know, people want to know things. All I have to do is call or email me. I'll call yeah. right back as soon as I'll get the email. So I don't um, uh, hide nothing. Right. William, uh, speaking of, you know, I'd like to talk about some of these people. You don't have to give names or anything. But uh, first of all, how did you choose this this uh, area that you're going into, this, uh, I guess, the origin, this original area that you're going to go into, how did you uh, choose that area and why this area? Well, we're down to three different areas right now, and I'm not going to name the area, actually. In fact, people won't know until we depart, actually. Um, Perfect. Just the ground team will know ahead of time so they can prepare themselves. I don't I don't need a bunch of people out there um, coming out and trying to visit us, the ground crew. Uh, they have work to do. They don't have time for people to come out and sit there and with them. And uh, this is this is about research. This is not going out there having a good time for a day, or night or two, or whatever. So uh, this is uh, I'm trying to keep it uh, quiet as possible. Good luck on finding these guys when once they get out there, because basically there's just very few people are going to know where we're at, or they're at anyway. They'll know where I'm at, but they won't know where they're at. We have full communication with everybody on the ground 24-7, so um, we'll know GPS-wise where everybody's at at any given time. So, mm-hmm. And how confident, well, how how did you come across getting this crew together, and how confident are you in, in who that, who you obtained and who have signed up uh, what do they have to go through? Do they have to go through any sort of uh, background checks or anything of that nature? Uh, no background check. I actually uh, interviewed everybody personally myself. Um, a lot of people are actually kind of kind of amazed that I can collect people to do this. In fact, they're not even being paid in the beginning. They're all, we're paying. We're taking care of them while they're out there. We'll pay their expenses. We'll take care of them out there in the field anything they need, necessities, um, that's on our our side. Um, some people thought it wasn't possible to put a crew together like this. However, you know, you don't, if you don't try, you never know. I'm trying to create a pay job for these guys. I believe people should be paid in this field of work if they're going to do it on a long-term basis. People have families. People have bills to pay. I've been fortunate to collect the people I did. Half of them are married, and their wives respect what they want to do because it's something that very few people get to do. In fact, it would be a venture of a life, lifetime for some of these people. And some of the people I got have been actually researching on their own for many years, and they've collected a lot of information themselves, so they're kind of well-diverse in this field. Uh, I didn't pick a lot of researchers that, well, actually they're not researchers, but I didn't pick people that have been out there for a long time. Uh, the list is being put up as we speak, uh, putting together. I tried to get it done by this afternoon, but I couldn't do it. My programmer was actually watching the football game, so I kind of ranked that idea. However, uh, <laughs> it's being put together. It should be done by tomorrow morning or at least by noon tomorrow, and everybody should be on there. They can go to my website and also be on my um, Facebook my uh, Facebook page, 
all the names will be on there. And uh, it's an interesting group. I've got anybody from a paper boy to a lawyer, fishing game to a welder, firemen to paramedics. Uh, it's a wide variety of people. And everybody had their own story. And I actually wanted 10 only, but I ended up with 14. I've got military people. I've got, I mean, I've got all walks of life going out there. No the reason why, huh? No actual like big name researchers, right? No, no big name ones. Some yeah. of them might think they're on the list. Well, they're on the list, but they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. The big name ones. Uh, I don't want to go out there with a closed mind. I want to go out there with an open mind with the whole crew. That's one of the reasons. Another reason is I don't need somebody out there telling everybody what these things are because we don't know what they are. This is a learning process for everybody, including myself. So I tried to stay away from people that were into the paranormal side of this creature. Uh, this, This is important to me. And the reason why is because of my panel that oversees the project. And we're bringing in the the biologists, professors, like Meldrum, the chief investigator. I got Ian Redman out of Africa. I got Bill Munns. So any video we get to clarify that's real. I've got a uh, half penny the tracker to any tracks that we bring in. He's, he can go over those and verify them with Meldrum. Um, I've got a guy out of Colorado that's on a project. I've got a guy, uh, Ben Denackle, out of Vancouver Island. I've got John, oh, man, I hate that guy's last name because it's hard to pronounce. John out of Wyoming, what's his last name? Uh, Mainzinski? Mainzinski, yes. He's on the panel, yeah. too. Okay, got it. Excellent. Okay. And uh, these guys will go over everything that we bring back, anywhere from scat, hair samples, video, uh, anything that we collect out there, uh, tracks, will actually go through them before it goes to the public. And the reason why this has been set up this way, and actually this has been set up for a long time, is because people throw things up on the Internet or whatever, and it's it's just a circus out there. When we send something out to the public, it's going to be verified. We will not send anything out that we don't know if it's real or not. So, you know, this is a big challenge, but we don't want to put any scars or bad name on our project. So we're actually going through a protocol on this, the way it should be done in the first place. So it's uh, it's very large. And more people will join the panel as we go along and bring things to the, ta- to the table. I know people are waiting in the sidelines uh, because of their demic jobs and things like that, that they really can't say nothing. Once we start bringing proof to the table, I'm sure there are going to be people joining the panel to oversee what we're doing, more people. So actually, I'm bringing the scientific community to us, which is the hardest thing in this field. And this is what everybody sure. wanted. And, I, and the thing of it is, I still have all these naysayers. You know, they they ask for all this stuff, they get it, and they still complain. 
Well, I don't care about their complaints. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they think. This is what I'm doing. If you don't like it, it's your problem. So, you know, I hope people are listening because I'm very adamant about that because I've been at this for a long time putting this together and it looks like it's finally it's finally coming to a point where we're going to start. And this is long term. This is not a one-time thing. This is going to be year after year. It's going to be full time. I want to have people on the ground year-round, hopefully in the future. So that's the reason I have to develop a pay job for these people so these people can do their work out there and don't have to worry about paying their bills. And this is the way it should be done. And, uh, you know, it's just just been a long road, I'll tell you that right now, a very long road. And once it gets going, I'm not done until... I'm not done until this project is off the ground going and bringing evidence to the table and educating the public about these creatures, what they are and not what we think they are. So we all have opinions what they are. So there's no definite... uh, There's no definite answer to what they are. And if that was true, wasn't true, and if there was a definite answer what they are, I wouldn't be doing this. So there's uh, what are you are uh, one of the questions from the chat room is are you requiring uh, members to sign like a NDA or a non-disclosure agreement? Um, no, no, no NDAs. I'm not going to. You know, this happens all the time in the field. Uh, we own all the evidence. The Falcon Project does that. These guys collect. The whole team gets recognition for everything that happens out there. Everybody gets recognition. The NDA, um, I'm not going to go that route. Everybody wants to do this in this field for some reason. I don't need to do that. I got enough lawyers. I believe I got more lawyers than I need. Uh, I'm not worried about that part. Are you worried about, like, say, certain pieces of evidence or evidence that hasn't been uh, vetted? Uh, leaking to the public. I mean, how are these guys going to are these guys going to have access to the public uh, during their trip out there? I will have people go out there while they're out there. I have crews going out there actually spend uh, anywhere from a weekend to a week out there as they're out there. I've already got that plan ahead of time, and this way the public will see everybody that's out there doing their job. And uh, I'll make that public to the with no problem. I have no problem what we're doing out there because we're no, doing nothing illegal. We're actually just doing research on a unknown species in North America, and there's no law against it. Hang on, just a second. Yeah, I just I was trying to get at the point that maybe there's if you guys were the ground crew specifically, or maybe even, even with the blimp in there. Uh, come across something very compelling or interesting, or maybe not so much, um, and it getting out to the public before it's gone through the proper uh, vetting uh, process. Uh, and, Nothing and will get out to the public before it's supposed to. That's what the runners are for. We collect all video, all evidence, everything on a daily basis. Um, the reason I point that out is because there has been um, – at least one individual I know of that has said that he will have contact with the public and will share stuff. 
and that's why that that question arose arose in the chat room but it's been it's been kind of out there in some of the social media realms um and i just didn't know how you were going to combat that if that was something you were going to combat or or didn't really give two hoots about well i make it real simple with everybody i interviewed i can put you out there just as quick as i can take you out so it's very simple if you go against our protocol i'll pull you out i have no problem you can talk to the public whatever you want yeah, it sounds like you probably have something in place where, um, or you're working on it, that if somebody gets booted or needs to leave, you'll have somebody fill their place? Yep, I'm collecting uh, substitutes as we speak right now. And uh, possibly um, some of these runners could actually maybe fill that void, possibly, I would imagine. Yep, they sure can. In fact, that's their... If I have somebody that drops out, the runner is the guy's the next next one to step in and take that person's place. They deserve that spot. They earn it. If I created this into a pay job, everybody earns their spot. I'm not going to bring somebody in after I start paying people because they want to get paid to do this. The people out there are actually going to earn their spots to get paid. I don't yeah. think it'd be fair to anybody else to bring in some big name researcher and say, "Hey, you know, um, I've been doing this for years. Now you, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry." Now, Derek Randall is a very good guy. I wish I had the money to. I know he has a job to do. I would get Derek Randall out there in a heartbeat. I like the guy. He's very smart. Been doing this for many years. Had the money. I would. I would put them out there with everybody, but I can't do it. So, um, other than that, there's very few people that I would actually uh, send out there to pay, just because they've been doing it for years. I'm trying to stay away from actually a lot of researchers because, you know, when you talk to them, they're oh, I had I see things all the time when I go out. And, you know, well, if that was true, I wouldn't have to be doing this all the time. So, it's just non-factual. Or they're not um, bringing nothing to the table to prove that they are. Right. What kind of skill sets do some of these guys have? Do any of these guys have skill sets in, in track casting, uh, tracking? Um, what kind of skill sets do work, some of these individuals bring to the table? Yeah. Oh, we perfect. have a workshop. So before everybody goes out, we're all going to get together for a week or two, and there's going to be a workshop for all this, forensics, uh, casting tracks, how to use all the cameras. I got a crew coming out of Los Angeles, a nine person crew to teach everybody about the cameras and um, bringing people in to teach about collecting forensics. And there'll be just a fun workshop just to learn what we need done out there. Well, so, so as I understand it, you're, you are having a, uh, unmanned airship the idea is that that airship goes out and surveys areas and that does that indicate is the ground crew telling the airship where to go or is the airship telling the ground crew where to go how's that vice versa well, well, it goes both ways i collect information yeah. from the air and i collect information from the ground and this way we yeah, can share it. information what's going on and i'll know where everything is going on in any given moment that's the reason I need full communication 24-7 with these guys on the ground. And the airship is just support 
for the guys on the ground. And also, we're not working terrains. I'll say it again. We're not working terrains where you can't see the forest floor. These creatures live in all types of terrains. These are for all the people out there that are saying that you can't see these from the air. Well, if they've done their research on sightings and go to Google Earth, there are areas where these creatures exist where you can see the ground in a lot of areas. So these naysayers, which I really don't care about, I'm just voicing my opinion that they need to do their research first before they start saying that it's not going to work. So what if it doesn't work? At least I tried. So that's for the naysayers out there. I got plenty of those. I got too many of them, actually. But uh, I really well, don't Shane care and I what were they talking, think. We were talking about that before the show. It's like uh, I think the st- statistic used to be that for every one positive thing that people will say, it used to be like seven people will say seven negative things. And I think that Facebook is multiplied that by some large factor. Seems like the people yeah. with the most negative opinions have the loudest, loudest voice. But I mean, I I think well, the idea is I, I I get it. I mean, how do you cover a large amount of ground? You know, and the the technology. I I've been to your website and read all the the materials up there, and the, you know, you're not talking about uh, a Polaroid camera. On I mean, you're talking about it sophisticated uh, technology that would would uh, film in, be able to film in uh, infra, infrared and uh, night vision and actually be able to zoom in uh, from long distance and yes, you don't We're know until you try it. Yeah, like uh, one guy on one of the TV Bigfoot shows said that you'll crash it in the trees. Well, he has no idea that we can go to 10, 12,000 feet. We're not going to be in the tree lines. That would be the most ridiculous thing to do. I mean, how can a person even think that? But however, people do. Um, no, we're going to be far away. That's what the camera's for. It's a custom-made yeah. camera, 16-pound lens, and we can see very, very far away. I mean, far. Um, it's very high-tech. If the military has it, they're not talking about it. It's custom-made. So... I'm not worried about that part. I've done my research on the drone part. And another thing about the drone is that we're underneath a government institution, and I thought this for years. People said I couldn't fly. Well, I can fly. The reason why is because I'm underneath a government institution. That's the only reason. We're underneath research and development. And I have to file for a COA the first, first time around get it certified as uh, flyable or uh, decertified by the FAA. I've gone all the way to Washington, D.C. on this. And I fought it for years. And I finally got it done. Uh, How You've been working on this project for, I mean, it's, it's not something that you just run on the back of a napkin yesterday. You, nope. I mean, you, six, when did you first years, come up with the idea? Six years, January 1st. So six years, and and you've obviously ran into obstacles. I mean, one of them had to, be, had to be financing the whole thing. Yes, coming to me. Uh, 
you, you've got somebody yeah. who's shown willingness to finance. I mean, this is a big undertaking, huge. Yes, it is. It's very huge. The ground crew and their equipment is number one. The drone is number two. The drone will be built as the guys are out there. My concern is taking care of the guys out in the field in the beginning, and then the drone will be built as they're out there. It takes three to four months to build the drone. So towards the tail end of the six months, and hopefully during the salmon run in the rivers, we'll have the drone flying. So, yes, it's been a very hard road financially. We haven't made no money. We're not going to make no money, and it's about education. And to pay these people, it's a hard, to make a pay job out of this is very hard. And that's my goal, to keep my people that start with me, to get them a paycheck later on so they keep doing this. And it's it's worth it to me to find pay for these people to do this research because these other researchers don't go out there for five, six, seven, eight months at a time. And they have no idea... You know, some some people, you know, I got ATVs. Well, we're not going where ATV goes. Uh, somebody said, well, the forestry blocks roads and gates. Well, we don't need that. We're not worried, no concern over that. So, because we're on, we have a team that's on the ground. They don't need roads. They don't need anything like that. So I'm not even worried about that part. And we're underneath research and development and education. So we're not out there, you uh, commercialized. Once we start getting paid, that's a different story. I'll probably have to get permits and everything, but that's later on. I'm not concerned about that right now. I'm just concerned getting the ground crew out first. That's my first concern. The second concern is to create a paid job for these guys. My third concern is getting the drone built. And my fourth concern is to keep this going year-round. And where, where do you see the income streams? I mean, they talk about income, possible income streams on your website. You know, if you... Yes. So where, where do you see those those coming I've from? I've got networks working at the ground crew right now. And they, it's like we're our, own, we're our own production company. So they're not going to be out there telling us what to do. So it's all raw footage like National Geographic style. Um, I don't need a production company coming in and saying, you got to do this, do that. I don't need a production company coming in and say, well, we only need uh, certain people a certain age. Uh, we're going to pick the people for you. Well, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. So um, since I'm doing it my way, they love it. They have a big interest in it right now. So I can create a pay job for them. So kind of, I mean, you're going to be. Are you going to be filming the the uh, events as they as you go on every continuously? Everything. Everything. Yeah. So yes. that makes sense. I mean, we'll be, we'll be filming everything that we do out there. The runners will be filming. The supply runners will be filming what they do. The, the surveillance team will be filming all creatures that live out there. Filming all evidence as we collect it, how we got it. Everything will be documented. Everything will be documented. Every bit. And so you're, and I mean, you're, all this, you're talking about thousands of hours of, of video and, and audio. And, I mean, yep. Yeah, so. Sure am. We're going to set up a website. 
we're going to set up a website for people to go over our video that we released as public in case we missed something. Meldrum's idea, which is a great idea, involved the public. Right. Um, yeah. To go over the stuff that we released, there might be something we missed. So it'd be uh, like a partnership with the public to help us too. There's a question, and so can, is your working towards creating a documentary? Is that one of your your yeah. goals for the project? Yep. Yep. To educate the public. That's what. And and William, you've had to go through so many obstacles to get to where you're at now, what, especially with the government agencies. What sort of agencies are you working with, and that are cooperating to make this happen? Well, BLM is the hardest one. They won't even talk to me. But I've talked to Forestry and Fish and Game for six years now. I've been very real successful with them. I'm sharing information with them what we collect out there, especially the health of the forest and animals and everything else. Uh, aside from what we're doing for our research, we're going to collect all data out there on the animal's health, the forest health, what type of animals are out there, uh, where they're at, animal counts for them, um, pine beetle infestations, um, just complete health of the whole forest, animals, trees, plants, everything. And also, whatever we document, we'll actually, on the Sasquatch side, we'll actually share with the government forestry and fishing game. I have no problem with that. A lot of people don't like that idea, but you know what? No sense in fighting the government. You want to fight them, you might as well sit at home and sit behind a computer all day. I'm going to work with them. Well, the thing is, people, you know, if you go conspiratorial and that the government hides it, they're going to do it anyway. I mean, if they wanted to shut you down, they'll shut you down. Oh, they can shut me down, but I have a plan B for that, so I'm not worried about but, that. But, I mean, if that's that's even saying that that's their objective, which we don't know, you know, that's the case. So, Well, I made this so large, and since I'm underneath the government institution, it'd be a little hard for them uh, to actually shut me down because it's not against the law to research an unknown species or a species that does not exist. There's no laws for that. So I'm not breaking the law at all. I'm just doing something that's important to the public. You know, the worst enemy to the government is not me. It's environmentalists and also the tree people, I guess you call them, or tree huggers. You know, they want to take away land for these creatures, which is not true. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Because these creatures can take care of themselves without us. They don't have to take away out of the way. You know, the, the well, I've said that before. It's, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a, the, if, when people talk about, well, we need to prove they exist to protect them and protect their habitat, it's, there's already known animals that live in that habitat that we should be protecting the habitat for now. I mean, why would it increase the scope of of uh, protecting the environment. There's already known animals there that would, you know. Yeah, I know. I've talked to logging people. I've talked to, um, they were always told, never say anything if you see one of these creatures because they're afraid to be shut down. You know, this is a known fact for many years, last 40 years. Um, Fishing game, don't, you know, you don't speak about it. I've had forest rangers call me all over the country when I started this project 
more power to me, other words, from these guys because they couldn't say nothing when they were working. And hopefully we can change all this in education-wise on these creatures. I want to introduce it into the high schools, into the science classes, universities, for our future generation to actually study these creatures, put real researchers on the ground. Um, I'm not balking that people are not researchers out there, but it's more of a hobby for most people. Uh, however, the scientific community don't want to get involved on something they get laughed at. You know, we all got a target on our back. Hopefully I can erase that target on our backs doing it this way, involving everybody. And, you know, I just I get tired of the the public themselves, the, the ones that don't believe these creatures don't exist. Hopefully I can bring out enough evidence over the years coming to show them and educate them what these creatures are. And like I said, it's what we think they are at this point. I hear all sorts of stories what they are. They're human. They're a tribe. They're, they're half human. Well, how do you get half human into a creature that's been living out there, it's hair, head to toe? Come on. Yeah. Uh, I, hope, I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope, you know, people are right. But then again, I've seen one three feet away. And I can't tell you what it was. I still can't tell you today what it was. I can only only opinion I can give you is just an opinion, and it was ninety eight percent ape, and that was structurally wise. Other than that, I cannot tell you nothing. I don't even know what it was. Strangest thing I ever seen. Most graceful thing I ever seen. But strangest thing I ever seen in my life. Yeah. So why, why I, William? Do, why William? Do you think? The Bureau of Land Management, the BLM. Why? Why are they giving you such a hassle? Uh, some of these other agencies are actually. Uh, well, they're not. They're not giving me. They're not. They're not giving me a hassle. They're just not mm-hmm. talking to me. That's gotcha. all. Gotcha. You know, why do you I'm think that is? I'm just getting a depth there. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's their prerogative, not mine. I think they're worried about an uh, environmentalist or. Maybe the visitors to the parks or whatever. Uh, if I knew these creatures lived in a national park, I would actually go camp out. Hopefully you'd see one. That's my opinion. But uh, I don't know. You know, if they don't talk to me, I don't know what they're thinking. So there's all sorts of theories out there. And they're just theories. Until we know the truth. But if I can open the door wide enough with the public behind me, a perfect example is the Bundy thing in Nevada. BLM walked out. They were overrun by people. Well, I'm on the same same course. If I have the public backing me up what I'm doing and bringing evidence to the table, it would be pretty hard for them to shut me down, just completely shut me down. It would be real hard. It'd be an outcry, you know, if I bring enough evidence to the table. And they come in and say, hey, you can't do this, and ask them why. Well, you know, this thing ain't real. Well, yes, it is. Here's the proof, you know. And if I can get this into the high school science classes nationwide, universities nationwide, that's my goal. So it'd be pretty hard to shut all that down, too. Yeah. I mean, during your... Go ahead. Go ahead, Shane. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Gunner. I just was going to say, it looks like you have some good supporters in our chat room. Uh, the, 
some drivers saying this is, you know, it's as altruistic of a project I've ever seen. History could be made. You know, if you're passionate about understanding what, what we have encountered out there, you just have to put on your big girl panties and get behind this. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Even unsuccessful, you will still have great adventures. So, yeah. And I don't get the whole... Oh, yeah. I have, I have nothing to lose. I really don't. I'm not out here to make anything uh, a name. I don't even want to be... I hate cameras. I just want to do my job, get it over with, and hand it over to the university and let them continue. So, yeah. And, go, you, and you, then go fishing. You, yeah, you told, me, you told me the other night in a, a phone call that uh, if the evidence comes forth and, and, and you think you've done your job, you're out. You're just done, and you'll go fishing. That's it. Oh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Bottom line, that's all I want to do is go fishing. <laughs> and I haven't been able to do that in six years. So, uh, well, you're kind of fishing you know, now. <laughs> well, not really. Yeah, I guess you could say that. But I'm not in trying to way, catch anything. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. I'm not trying to catch anything. I'm just trying to understand something that lives out there and educate the public on it. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. You know, this is, and of course, I, I won't reject any funding out there. I can use all the funding I can get. Uh, I have funding coming in. Uh, I'm not really worried anymore like I used to be. This is actually going forward. Um, I'm comfortable finally. I finally hit the comfort zone after six years. So it's not financial comfort. Don't let people mislead because people on social networks think so. I've got all sorts of deep pockets and everything. Boy, that's a joke. Man, that's a joke and a half. This is, I don't have no deep pockets. I'm a very poor person. And I'm going to stay that way, hopefully. It's the best way to go fishing. <laughs> so, uh, Digger, or not Digger, but Driver, who made that comment, wanted to let you know that he, that is actually uh, Randy Harrington. So. Oh, Randy's on the team. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what he yeah. was saying. Yeah, a lot of people that called me are very interested in the scientific side of what we're doing on my team. They were all pleased that finally, you know, somebody's out there actually trying to do something and do it the right way with academics on the backside watching what you're doing. You know, you know this, all this Bigfoot stuff, or Sasquatch, and North American Ape, whatever you want to call them, is so hush-hush or blob-squatch or whatever. <laughs> you know, we want to bring the real deal to the table. And when it goes to the public, it can't be uh, debunked. And that's what the panel's for. The panel was put together over two years ago, and I told Meldrum they had to do this. And it's for good reasoning, to, because when stuff goes to the public, there'll be the real deal. It's, it's nothing fake. I've seen so much fake stuff in this field, it's unbelievable. It just irks me, uh, but it's okay. Um, we're, we're trying to change the standards and put it into the real field of research and keep it ongoing to understand these creatures. We don't want to kill one. We don't want to put one on a slab. Even if we do, we'll just know what it is, and that's it. We'll never understand their habits, their territory, uh, what they eat, um, you know, we'll, we'll never understand them unless we research them and study them. And I hope nobody kills one. Um, but it, if they do, it's not going to stop me. 
because I want to see him out in the wild and study him out in the wild is what I want to do. So I'm not. Well, speaking of of the, the you know possible possibilities, are are any of your uh, are any of the ground crew going to be armed, or and are um, any of the ground crew efficient with firearms? Everybody's going to be armed with a sidearm. I will not send nobody out there unprotected. There's no that's senseless. You know, is that part the of the class? Can, yes, they're going to have an understanding that there would be no killing of one of these creatures unless life-threatening. And that's the reason the more people I have out there, the less chance it's going to happen. So, But in research in this type of field, I don't care what type of mammal, elephants, lions, um, jaguars, panthers, whatever, anything can happen. We have no idea about these creatures. I had somebody just tell me yesterday, you know, they could be aggressive. Well, they can be aggressive. Any animal, can, my my dog can be aggressive. I can be aggressive. However, we don't want this. We just want to study them, study them out in the field. That's all we want to do. And we hope it doesn't happen. Uh, aggressive one. Um, if it if it becomes life threatening, a person has no choice. So, I'm. Yeah. I would never go out there in the field. I never did in five years in the backcountry. I was, I was always armed. In fact, the night of my sighting, I wasn't armed in the tent. I actually had a gun in the car. But I don't know if I would have used it or not. I really don't know. I, I can't answer that. Yeah. Because I, I didn't have it in my tent. So I just don't know. Do you think, uh, with the size of this ground party, do you think that's a hindrance or a plus side? And a lot of people argue back and forth that you need a small crew, a large crew. Uh, do you what? What sort of role does that play, having um, nineteen well, members out there? Well, the purpose of that is I can cover more ground for surveillance. You know, that's the problem. You know, if you got two or three people out there at nighttime, they only see so far. If I got ten, twelve, fourteen surveillance people out there, I can cover a lot of land. One of these creatures come through, somebody's going to see them, and hopefully multiple thermal imagings of it at one time to increase the proof that we bring to the table from different sides of this creature. You know, one video is not going to do it. Multiple videos are going to do it, not just one. So are um, they traveling in groups or uh, individuals? Well, they're going and, to uh, Are they armed with therm, all of them, or, or uh, groups? Yeah, they'll be, I have... Uh, Thermal cameras going to be for everybody from night for the night crew. Um, very expensive, but however, I'm working a deal out with a high-end company. Yeah. However, um, they're going to be spread out. They're not going to be far from each other. I have GPS on everybody, so anything that's going on out there, I'll know exactly what's going on, where, who, or what. And this way, everybody else can com- communicate with everybody else and the surveillance team. If they see something, they can tell the next person down the hill or ridge or whatever, valley or meadows, wherever they're at, that there's something coming towards you. And this way, we have complete communication between all the surveillance people. You know, they're not going to be sitting in the brush where they can't see far. We're going to be setting people in advantage points. This is special ops surveillance. This is not, like I said, running through the woods or banging on trees or hollering or anything like this. Um, I'm not into that. You know, 
it, it can be it can be tried out there if the guys want to do it, you know, just for kicks. I don't mind every once in a while. I, I'll try anything. You know, you get pretty bored out there, believe me. So um, it's not going to be like fishing, catching fish every day. It's uh, it'd be quite boring some nights, I'm sure, many nights, actually. However, these creatures are curious. That's one thing I did learn over the years during my research. These creatures are just curious as, as us to us as we are to them. So it should be quite interesting. I have a football player coming in, uh, ex-football player. And this guy is huge, dreadlocks and everything. These creatures probably never seen a person like this before. Probably be <laughs> intimidating to them. And, uh, you know, you never know what these creatures are going to think. You know, they want to see what this creature is they're looking at because they've never seen one before, like we've never seen one of them before. So we never know uh, what's going to happen out there. This is an unknown territory. You know, a lot of researchers out there think they know everything. You know what? They can take their story someplace else. I am tired of listening. None of us know everything. That's always funny. I I, I use the term, you know, my big footing's better than your big footing, and, and I, I have to call bullshit on that because it's like, if that was the case, we wouldn't even be having this conversation anymore. You know, that's right. There's pe- people are out there. This, I mean, it, the the Falcon Project has fascinated me for a while because I've, I've I've said for a long time that the the only way the the mystery gets solved is with a specimen, live or dead, or a long term research project with with clear video, multiple. De- and corroborating evidence, be that, you know, is that uh, yeah. DNA, it can't. footprints, yes. you know, it can't, it, a single picture, like you say, is never going to fly. I mean, it's... No. The, There's it's, so, so many fake pictures out there, it's unbelievable. Or things they think they see, which is not even there. So, right. I don't or, believe or, in quotes. Do I? Not even what, you know, fake, but misidentified or... But the, as far as a and and somebody's story in their context, they may have, you know, have seen something and heard something and taken video, but there's nothing out there that's compelling that that has solved sure. the mystery. So this is I've, I've interviewed for, many I've interviewed many many people over the years that it don't even post their stories with other people, and I get really detailed because of my sighting. And some of these people that had sightings are unbelievable. I mean, just totally unbelievable. I wish I was there to see it with them. But however, never was. Only my encounter. That's it. However, uh, there's a lot of compelling stories out there. I think most of these stories that people say they sing something is, is on a time thing. If they see it for a few seconds, you know, you have a little doubt there. Our mind don't have long enough to to process what you've seen, and if your mind can't tell you what it is, you start imagining what it is, and then, of course, Sasquatch is one of the first things you imagine because you can't comprehend what you've seen. As time goes longer on a sighting, your mind can comprehend better. You can understand more what you're looking at or was looking at, and then, yes, you can say, yes, i actually seen one. Um... I love these psychiatrists say the mind can make things up in your mind even if it's a minute long a sighting. I disagree with that. The longer the sighting, the more 
your mind can actually adjust to what you're looking at and understand what you're looking at. But not knowing what it is, that's the thing. We don't know what it is. Um, I mean, that's what I stand at. And there's people out there, they think they know what they are, and it's just opinion, it's just a theory, because there's no proof to it. And, uh, you know, like infrasound, that's another thing we're going to be studying out there is, is infrasound. And also, we uh, got a guy that's might be Harrington. He's trained in as being a uh, paramedic, partly. And if it happens or when it happens, somebody gets sick out there and they think it's from infrasound, my opinion, I think it's adrenaline rush. I just had a, um, a talk with a gentleman yesterday about it. And his opinion, no, uh, it can be directed because the military can use infrasound to make people sick. Well, infrasound is non-directional, and these creatures are not a machine man-made. So if you're close to one, of course, you'll feel it in your lungs because it's a form of sound. And we have air pockets, air sacs in our lungs, and it will actually fill the vibration. So, you know, the word zap is is totally, to me, my opinion, is not right. I want to figure that part out myself and do it medically and do it the right way. So... um, that's something we're going to work on and collect infrasound out there, which the machinery is kind of expensive to do, but however, we'll have it out there and throw it back out. And if we get the right, if we're right, if I'm right, and if we get a response back, it's a form of communication. Now, this is what people have been talking about also all these years. We want to communicate with these creatures because we think we can. Well, you ain't going to do it mind speaking, and you're not going to do it sitting down on the log with one. So, if my theory is right, and we get a response because they're territorial or don't understand why they're hearing the same sound back, infrasound, that means communication. It's a form of communication. So, I reached my goal, if I'm right. So, that's that's one of the things we're going to study about these creatures out in the field is infrasound and why people get sick. Uh, I've heard all sorts of stories. I wasn't there to see it. So I have to go on my own my own thought process on this and figure it out scientifically, you know, what's going on here. And this way we can bring this to the public too and to the table to the people overseeing the project. And they can confirm what we collect and what we did and say, yes, this is what happened, which I don't know what's going to happen. So I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but we're still going to study it because I'm a firm believer that these creatures communicate foraging through the woods at nighttime with 10%. If not, we'd be hearing them all the time out there. City ground crew, what sort of procedures and protocol are they going to be partaking in? Uh, I mean, are they going to be able to have, uh, say, um, you know, a fire or anything out there? Or are you guys going no fire? Um, what sort of procedures and protocol are they going to follow? Well, it depends what area we're in and what the forestry tells us we can't do with Canyon. Uh, we have to go out there with no fires. We'll take up propane, and this way, or if that, if we can't do that, we'll get uh, military rations out to them to make sure they're well fed. Uh, whatever we have to do to go, to go by the rules. I'm not like I said. I'm not going to fight nobody. I'll just go by the rules. Whatever we have to do out there to just keep going. Yeah. There's no sense of uh, fighting anybody. Just go by the rules. 
you have a, so much. It's mind-boggling to me the amount of money that's going into this, especially for the FLIR units, uh, the ground crew, the insurance, uh, the blimp, all that. It's mind-boggling. That, that had to be one of your biggest obstacles um, to get this thing into fruition, to get it to where it's at now. Yes. Um, it's been quite a headache, to tell you the truth. Financially, is the hardest thing in the world. I spent 13 and a half years in direct fundraising and marketing. I worked for the Paralyzed Veterans for six and a half years. I trained people in marketing for 10 years. Had my own corporation in the mid-90s. Yes, this is the hardest funding I've ever tried to do in my life. However, when I stopped asking, they started coming to me. Very strange story how that happened, so very weird. I had a heart attack October 10th, and all of a sudden, the whole world changed. Um, people started coming to me and giving me offers to help me out. I thought it was kind of strange, but however, take it any way I can get it. No kidding. That's weird. Yeah. It came along at the right, I mean, just happened. Was that just last October? Yep, last October. I had a stent put in. I'm healthy. I'm not dying. I got a job to do before I die, so I'm not wow. giving up. So. <laughs> wow. So, are you? Uh, one question is: is can you um, have you narrowed it down? I'm, you've obviously narrowed it down to some locations. Is are we talking about on the west? Coast, a specific, can you? Yeah, we'll be we'll be in city? Oregon someplace, or we'll be someplace around Washington, uh, very close to Washington, if not. So we're looking at three spots right now, very active. Been looking at them for a while. I have a very large database that nobody knows about. I don't share my information actually. I collect it, and uh, it's quite interesting. And Meldrum has a very large database. And I have a lot of people out in the field that people know me, or probably even listening to me right now, that actually shares information with me, which I don't divulge who they are. I got people from coast to coast, actually. Um, I want to build this research program into other states, too. I just I want to stay in one area. I want to be able to learn the territory in one spot and go another spot and learn another territory and do it again, and do it again, and collect the data, and then in the future, we can possibly put a population count territory on an average. We can't get an exact number. I don't think anybody can get an exact number on any species unless it's very rare, like a white rhino or something like that. But however, these creatures expand across the United States, and if we can figure out their territory and collect a large database on the information we collect, we can actually put a possible population in the, in the United States on these creatures. So that's another goal we have long-term. Well, what, are, like, what are some um, of your short-term short-term goals? Uh, I see some of these. You've been talking about some of these long-term goals. What are some of your short-term term goals? I have no short-term goals. Just Everything has to be... Then I can think about a short term. The infrasound should be short term. If I'm right, we should figure that out real fast. Since infrasound is non directional, goes a long direction, a long, a long ways. And uh, if I'm right about that, that'll be short term. We'll figure that out probably in the first 
three to four months. So the first the first step is actually to get the, the boots on the ground and, and going into the your research area and get set up and, and start our first start to, our first research area, yes. Right. Right. And then how long after a lot of people uh, do you do you anticipate the the airship going up? Uh, as soon as the boots are on the ground, start working on the airship, getting that built. That's my next goal. And uh, we're not far from that. Uh, not far at all. In fact, that's my next project, actually. Boots on the ground first and then getting the airship started. And it takes about four months to build the airship. So it's probably late summer, uh, maybe fall, before I get it out there. And then, the, so you'll have had boots on the ground for for four four, four, four to five six months. months. Yeah. Yes. Four to four to five months. And, and I should have enough so data by then. I should have enough data by then where I should be at. Like I said, I'll repeat it again for those people out there that don't think it's going to work. We're going into territories where these creatures can be seen from the air. We're not going into the deep forest. I will say this through all the way through the show. I get tired of hearing this. You're not going to see nothing because they live in the deep forest, which is not true. If you armchair researchers out there want to do your research, go to Google Earth on all the sightings and just see how much land you can see on most of these sightings. And it's not just in the deep forest. You know, I get tired of hearing it, and I'll keep repeating my opinion. So I'm very adamant about that. And Dr. Meldrum knows I'm adamant about it. Everybody on my crew knows I'm adamant about it. Everybody that knows me knows that's the way I'm going to do it. So it's all about so the territory saying, that William, we're in. Not just in <laughs> that you're not, they're not just in the deep forest, is I think what you're saying. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> I've been down well, here in anybody, Utah. Anybody, <laughs> anybody who spent any time <laughs> looking at reports should know that they, they're they not 100% living in, in amongst the trees. But there, there is true. opportunity for... Where for them well, when to people, see them from the air. When, when, when people tell me that you can't see them because of the deep forest, well, they haven't. They're just sitting behind a computer. That's all they're doing. You know, you can sit on the couch all day long and say what you want, but you ain't gonna find nothing unless you go out there. Well, that's I spent I spent some time looking at Google Earth in the Oregon Coast Range, and and there it's amazing as how much actually open areas. From, from clear cuts and that actually exist. Well, it's like, I mean, you're not, not going to fly over a, a wooded area and expect to see anything. Duh. I mean, well, no. Nobody said we're, yeah. nobody said we're going to be on the coast. <laughs> I've no, uh, studied no, Washington. I mean, there's, no, I'm just, no, I'm just saying. I understand yeah. the forest on the coast is very thick and dense, and there's a lot of sightings there. However, there's other sightings in Washington where the forest is not like it is on the coast. And even northern Idaho, uh, Washington, Oregon border, if you look up sightings and look at the ter- terrain along the mountain range there, you'd be amazed how much land you can see looking straight down. See, we're not looking side by side, side to side. And if you're in a jet, going over the forest, look out the window. You're not looking straight down. You can't see the forest floor because the trees are at an angle. Now, if you had a glass floor in your plane and you look straight down as you're flying over the forest, you would be amazed how much land you can see on the ground. 
So I, I'm very... Uh, sometimes I just don't understand people. They think we're stupid or dumb. That we're going to sit over, we're going to sit over a thick forest and wait for something to move. Well, sorry, it's not going to happen that way. And yeah. William, you mentioned something pretty uh, interesting earlier about salmon runs. Uh, how much yes. do waterways, streams, rivers play a part in in this this sort of research that you're doing? One hundred percent. Do you find that a key aspect to Sasquatch activity? Yes. Yes. 100%. We're going to narrow the waterways down where we're going in the areas. And the reason why is because these creatures need water. If we go in a place there's water everywhere, we'll have no idea where they're at. They could be anywhere. So if we have a a certain amount of water where these creatures can get water, we have a better chance of coming upon them uh, track-wise. So I've tracked one before, press tracked less than seven hours. I could have tracked it all day. And I was totally amazed how simple it was. I mean simple. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say they can't be tracked. They do whatever. Well, I'm just an old Tennessee hillbilly. And if I can track one, I can get a professional tracker in there to do ten times better job than I can do. So, uh, people that think they can't be tracked, I'm sorry. You get on a fresh track, you can stay with it day after day after day after day. And that's when the fun starts. That's what we're looking for. And so fresh tracks. Once we get on the fresh tracks, that's when the game starts. And that's when the airship comes into play. We know we're on a fresh track, maybe a day behind it. We don't want to be on. We don't want to be on top of it. That'd be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. However, at least I'll know a general area where this creature's at by the time the drone is built. Ten mile fly zone, and in fact, it'll probably be farther. And a larger fly zone, uh, technology wise, is getting better, and uh, GPS and everything else uh, technology is getting better on these drones. And I can actually probably fly farther. However, right now I have a 10-mile fly zone. It's close enough for me, so, for right now. And if I know the general area where this creature is at, I can saturate that area every night. Every night. If it's windy over, I can't fly in wind above 25 miles an hour. Here's another thing these people have been saying. Well, if you use a helium airship, it's going to get blown away. Well, they don't know the maker of this airship. And also, it's aerodynamic. That means it's made for rough wind, which is unusual for uh, airships. So, it's uh, to 25 mile an hour wind. But I probably won't fly when it's that windy. Probably 20 miles an hour or less. 15, up to 15, 18 miles an hour wind, I, I'm okay. I'm not going to take a chance at 25 mile an hour wind, what it's capable of doing. I don't want to do something stupid and uh, mm-hmm. um, Which? my girlfriend is telling me that's a bad word to use stupid sorry folks <laughs> but uh, however I have technology on the airship like these drones do these helicopters I have pit homing pigeon if I lose it it just takes over and comes back home that's it and it 
if somebody shoots it, like a pot goer or somebody, it's okay. It'll just float to the ground and just go patch in the air back up, send it back up in the air. You know, a lot of people think they're not made for this. Well, that's ours is custom made for our project. These the ground crew members. Um, are you are you doing mainly night operations, or is it going to be both day and night? Say that again, please. The uh, the uh, with, with in regard to the ground crew, are they going to be running both day and night? Uh, how how's that going to work with the crew? No, it's going to be shifts. I have a night crew just for surveillance, and I got a day crew just for uh, tracking and collecting evidence. Gotcha. The uh, supply runners will come in and collect everything where we collected all the footage and everything from the ground crew, give them fresh batteries, and then bring everything back in. Everything will be marked. Every cart uh, digital uh, footage will be marked, and then we send it to the university. Anything we collect will be boxed, sent to the university. It's not going to sit there where we're at. Uh, I don't believe exchanging things like this hand by hand by hand, ship it straight to the university and let them take over on that part. It's not my job to mm-hmm. say if something's real or not. So my job is just to the whole thing, put it together, get it going, and produce evidence. That's my job, and that's it. And the rest of it's up to everybody else. Well, speaking of your job, are you going to be present the whole time uh, during yeah. this endeavor? Yeah. Yes. I'll be out in the field and also in the command post. And, and so your main, your, yeah, go ahead, Gunner. Yeah, there's a question in the chat room is, who is, is this a, a one-of-a-kind uh, or is it being built in multi, multi-production? Uh, is, it, it's not, is it a drone, per se, or it's more, it's an airship? You know, it's, it's a drone. Okay. See, somebody was balking at me on Facebook a week ago, and they kept bringing the rules on the airship. Never brought up the rules on a drone. And there's certain rules on the airship, but there's nobody on the airship. It's a drone. Mine weighs more than 55 pounds. They can go ahead and Google aviation, FAA, read all they want. I've been through the whole ringer on this, so I know the rules, what rules I'm under. I'm under a government institution in the research and development. That means I can fly over 400 feet. So anybody wants to challenge that, go ahead. I don't care. And also somebody else mentioned, oh, the helium is going to cost you a lot of money. Well, there's another thing people don't understand is I'm underneath a government institution. I get a discount on the helium. It's not going to cost as much as everybody thinks. And so I'm trying to get all these things out and open where people think they know what they're talking about, which they don't. Well, it sounds like, I mean, obviously you've, all the questions that people have, you know, and the naysayers have come up with, you, you've you done your research. You didn't, like I said, you didn't just write this plan out on the back of a napkin yesterday. You've been working on this for six years. So it sounds yeah. like any, all the questions that have come up, you you know, obviously in the field, you're going to have, you'll, there'll be ongoing learning as what, what works for us as in it. But that's right. You, that's the reason you know I picked the people doing. on my team. It's the reason why I picked the people on my team. 
we're all going in there with a blind eye. We're going to come out out of there educated. So that's the reason I don't have certain people on that have contacted me on the team because they think they know what they're talking about when it comes to this creature. They might know something, but they have no idea of sitting six months out there. Most of these people sit around a campsite or run through the woods or whatever. Uh, this is a recon team. This is surveillance. This is learning. This is collecting evidence. You know, this is research. When they, these people are going to be trained to be researchers in a field there's no school for. So they're going to be doing their own schooling. We are. I'm going to learn just as much as everybody else. That's With my the, goal. Uh, William, are you concerned about the physical shape of the participants? I'm I question every one of them. Physical condition. Yeah. Go ahead. Question every one of them. Every one of them. And if I heard one negative word, I had one guy say maybe I could do it, and I let him keep talking for ten minutes. Stopped him. I said, "You're not gonna, you're not gonna make it out there." Answering why, I said, "You said maybe in the beginning. Maybe is a negative word. Once I hear a negative word." probably not going to make it and I'm not going to that means I'm going to have to replace you if you can't make it I got people that want to go out for a month or two well that's not going to happen the reason why is because I need people out there all the time and like I said from the beginning the people that hang in there I want to create a pay job for them and make it a job for them so this way they can pay the bills like everybody else mm-hmm. have you William, chosen anybody to be, have you chosen any of these individuals that are going to partake in this uh, endeavor as leaders um, um, you know, uh, of certain groups or anything like that? Or, or is everybody, everybody kind of going to lean off of you as the leader? The tracker is going to be the leader. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm trying to bring two of them in. They're actually going to be in control of the people for the surveillance because they're the ones that are going to put the people in their places at night. This is where you should be. I'm going to give control to the people during the day, the day crew, because they'll know more about the land during the day than at nighttime. The worst thing in the world is to hike into some place to do surveillance at nighttime and hike in there at nighttime. You got to get in there before dark and stay there till daylight, just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about this is going to be some really physical um, stuff on some people. Uh, a lot of people think they're prepared, and they may not be uh, up to par. Um, so, I, I, you know, the questions will arise, you know, can they do it? You know, who's going to be overseeing them? Who's going to be watching out for them? Um, well, you know, I don't know. I have yeah. full communication 24 hours a day. I don't know what's going on out there, so I'm not worried about that. But I have confidence into my people that I pick. I have 100% confidence. And if they can't make it, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just human nature. So I'm prepared for that. However, yeah. you know, somebody told me 50% of the people that contact you are going to go. Well, right now I only had one guy that actually called back and said no. So I'm hitting 90%. So actually wow. 95%, which is unusual. Even Meldrum was, Dr. Meldrum was very surprised how well I 
coordinated the people to get on this team. Well, it may yeah, speak volumes for 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 this particular endeavor and the confidence that people have in it. So, you know, kudos to you if everybody falls through and actually makes it out there and and uh, part, partakes in this. I'm expecting maybe one or two. Just expecting to drop off. You never know. Yeah, you, you have to you have to have that in your mindset. You can't just. But I have a hundred percent faith in the people that are actually on my crew. But like human nature, like I said before, you know, it just happens. You know, people have problems in their family. They have sex second judgment of what they how hard it is it's going to be on them. You know, like I said, I've been out there up to seven months myself. I know what it's like. Um, it's you know it's just human nature. It's going to happen. I've got people to replace those people who ever don't want to go. But actually, the people that called me and I listened to them, I could hear their sincerity, how much they want to learn about these creatures, and that was the main concern of mine. I didn't want somebody to go out there that you know, I just want to be around these guys, blah blah blah. Well, it's not the way it's going to work. So. Um, I need a commitment of six months. I got one guy coming out for two months, and the reason why is because he's a high school teacher. And I'll use him as a runner or a supply person and also take somebody's place if somebody has to come out for a week or two. You know, people have to have their time time off. You know, I, I have no problem with that. You know, I don't expect, you know, six months straight out there without maybe coming out for a week or a week or two or whatever. I don't expect people to have no problems, family problems out there out of that many people. Mathematically, it's going to happen, maybe. So I have to prepare myself for all this. You know, I'm not, I'm not naive. I know things happen, so. Yeah, absolutely. With, um, with, with the, say you guys came across some sort of, uh, uh, you know, extraordinary or, or, uh, compelling evidence, DNA-wise, whether it's hair, scat, blood, uh, whatever have you, how is that going to be collected? Uh, what what have you guys, or what have you done to uh, make sure that it's not contaminated uh, to bring it to um, some of these vetters, some of these uh, peer uh, review people? That's what the class is for. Mm-hmm. to train every, train everybody. It's not my job to train all these people to do this. This is for the workshop. My job is to get the people, get them out there, get the drone built, start collecting evidence, send it in. Their job is to be trained to collect this stuff, not me. I send it out to where it has to go, to the university, and then they oversee it. It's out of my hands, that part. But I will be in part of that class. I will actually learn from it myself. And I could answer that more positive for you, but I haven't took that class yet. So I will be part of that class. But that's you're, not you're, my job, actually. That's yeah. very problem. Well, yeah, but you, you've taken the steps to make sure that it's happened, you know, that it does um, go the way that you there planned, will, that it is there uh, will not going to be... There, there will be a protocol on all evidence. There will be rules. And I will keep those rules out of it, believe me. 
Anybody want to break the rules out there? Like I said earlier, I can stick them out there as quick as I can take them out. There's no problem with that. I have no problem with saying, hey, I don't need you. So, yeah, it's very you easy for me. Yeah, you got too much at stake here and invested too much time and money, and yeah, it has to be your way to the highway. <laughs> well, it's not my way. It's it's just the right way. We got rules. We got protocols. We go by them. You want to step away from them, not do it the way it should be done. I don't need you. It's very simple. I have no problem with that. That's the reason you don't invite friends. I got one friend coming out, but I've known the guy for ten years. And he used to be a miner. Well, he still is a gold miner. That's how I met him. And he would be one of my first choices any day of the week because I trust the guy and know the guy. So other than that, I have no friends going out there. Everybody will be my friend. Everybody's a friend. Personal friend and this type of work, you can't do that because it's harder to tell the person, I don't need you no more. So it's better not to be personal friends with everybody. It's better to be more of a, as a job instead of being personal friends. I mean, I'm, I like everybody on my team, don't get me wrong. They're, they're friends already. But when it becomes personal, it just makes it harder to work with them. Uh, you don't need a, you don't need a conflict of interest, let me put it that way. Yeah. Well, it's better well, I mean, to yeah. remain a little bit detached. I mean, you kind of have to, so. You have to, yes. Right. You have to stand, You have to mark your line before you go with people that work with you. And as you go along, you can get to know the people better personally. That's a different story. Because well, you know the person of, better. We've got, I know we've got a couple of questions in the in the chat room or on the, a couple callers with questions. I'm going to go ahead and and uh, open up the line here. So. Okay. All right. Area code 662. Thanks for being so patient and waiting. Are you ready with your question? Yes, I am. This is Henry, by the <laughs> way, and uh, Sasquatch Coffee rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for the plug, Henry. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have- I wanted to ask uh, William about um, the, the the range of the cameras and what sort of camera system he's using. I have a very good range. We're buying high-end thermal imaging. And I was actually told by a gentleman that uh, the public can only get uh, nine frames per second and suggested to get 30 frames per second, a lot clearer at nighttime. And I didn't know, actually, I've been so busy. He said, I think, he said the law changed in 2010 or 2012, whenever it did. It just slipped to me. I didn't know. However, uh, 30 seconds per frame is made for military, police, uh, surveillance, for the government, things like that. The good side about that is I'm underneath a government institution. So that qualifies me for good cameras. So I'm not worried about it. So once I heard the story on that, I was like, well, okay, I'm already prepared for that. And if I have to, I can get them custom-made the way I want. So either way, it don't matter. Uh, Custom-made, there's no law against custom-made that I know of. I might be wrong, but I haven't found one yet. 
However, our high-def cameras during the day have a very long range, zoom, everything. And night vision, they're going to be push a button. You can film whatever you want. And also have 100, I'm trying to get a 100 millimeter lens. Basically, that's what I'm looking for. So I can tell you that much right now. Does that answer okay. your question Question good enough? Yes. Yeah, and I also wanted to know, um, since this is a drone that you're using, um, what, what, I mean, how long, how long can it stay in the air? I know most drones can only stay in the air like 10 minutes or something like that before the battery life starts to uh, go out. Well, like I said in the beginning, this is custom made, and we had to redesign the whole airship, do the work we needed to do. It actually, it's custom made for this project, but made it'd be the only one made of its kind. I have mm-hmm. four to six hour fly time, and it's oh, ridiculous okay. to go and it's ridiculous to go in the air for twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and have to come back. If I get on something, I want to stay on it as long as possible. And this way, if I have to refuel, come back in as quick as possible, I have GPS on it, I can go back to the same area and start hunting it down again and filming it more. So even if I have to go into the daytime um, to keep tracking it, I can. So if I catch one at 4 in the morning, I can follow it enough fuel time for hopefully daylight shots. So um, I'm not worried it's that was my main concern six years ago when I started this is fly time. Everybody was sending me pictures of helicopters and planes, which I already looked at already. And believe me, I've done my research on drones. And fly time is another number one answer to this whole project to film these creatures out in the wild without harassing them, non-invasive. From a, I can be a mile away. I can be a mile and a half away. It doesn't matter. I have Zoom. My lens weighs 16 pounds. I have a motorized lens, all remote control, goes to a command post, goes to a database. That's another thing that people don't know, that we're going to have a database of every animal that we see is going to go through a database and collect it. And as we go along, when we collect data, that means when we see something like a deer or a raccoon or whatever, it's we can just keep going. We don't have to. We don't have to stop investigating because it's already in the database. The computer is going to say what it is real quick, and then we just keep moving. And we run across something that is different. We're going to investigate it, put a zoom on it, see what it is. And if it's one of these creatures, it goes in the database. And this way, if we run across another one, we'll know what it is when it comes up on the computer, on the database. So this is this is. More high-tech than what, what people think. We're not just flying the drone out there to take an image and collect it. We're actually collecting everything out there. So anything that's alive, we're going to collect it. And it's going to go through a da- database, and it's going to stay in that database, and it's going to save us a lot of time in the long run. So it's, technology-wise, you know, we're, we're bringing a lot of technology to the table in this, in this research program on the ground and air. Well, that's good. Yeah, I actually made a contribution through Dr. Meldrum a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, we, are, I, we, I have, we, we appreciate it. Believe me, <laughs> I have high hopes for this project, and it sounds like it's sounds like it's really coming together. And I'm really excited to see what the results will be. 
Well, you too. I am. I'm excited to see what the results are. Uh, you know, it's. I want to. I never want to see one three feet three feet away from me again. I'd rather see it a mile away. So. Yeah. It's uh, probably. If it would have happened to me last year, my encounter, I'd probably had a heart attack and died, and you guys would have found me out there in the middle of nowhere and dead. Uh, mm. But uh, it was scary, and I don't want to be close to these things. I don't think they should be harassed. I don't think uh, this is a non-invasive uh, research program. We're not out there to be on top of it. We're just out there to study it. That's all we're doing. That's all we want to do. Yeah. We're not using trail cams, by the way. We're, we're This is all visual and done by hand. So I, I like trail cams, don't get me wrong, but it's like playing a jackpot on a, on a machine in Vegas. So this way we have better odds. We're increasing our odds. You increase your odds in gambling, you're going to win sooner or later. Yeah, that's true. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, taking my call. Thanks for answering my questions, William, and I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what comes for the future with the Falcon Project. Uh, me too. <laughs> thanks for the question. All right. Thank, thanks, Henry. Right, y'all have a good one. You too. Thanks. Hello. Still there? I'm still here. Yeah, oh, I'm still okay. here. Good. <laughs> I'm just making sure that I didn't disconnect the wrong person. <laughs> so there's a question in the um, driver is asking about smokers and concerns about, do you have concerns about smokers? I mean, is that one well, of the criteria? I, uh, that's one of the questions I ask everybody if they smoke. Now, I'll be honest. I have a couple of people that smoke. I've been smoking for 40, 44 years myself. Uh told these few people, I said, if you're going to smoke, you're only going to smoke when you're not working or when you get up and have a cup of coffee or before you go to bed, and that's about it. That's all I'll allow. Other than that, I don't need you. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not that strict. I'm a smoker myself. I know how it is. But you're not going to be smoking while you're out there on surveillance. There's no way. And if I catch you out there smoking... In surveillance, uh, you won't be out there very long. So as far as um, you're not, you're using the airship to collect data, and and on the ground, what kind of knowledge are you using? You're using, you have thermals, what else have you got? Everything's high, everything is high depth, everything. Mm -hmm. Everything we got is high depth, so we can get the clearest video we can of these creatures or anything that lives out there. That's the exciting part about this. It's not going to be really boring because there's going to be all types of animals out there. So even though nights you're not going to see what you want to see, you're going to see other things, mountain lions, bears, raccoons, foxes, coyotes, wolves, whatever. Um, You know, we're going to see everything that lives out there at nighttime. And you never know, we might find something we never knew exists out there at nighttime. Right. We don't know everything about the woods, so. You never know what you're going to find. So a lot of people have already told me that you probably run across something we don't even know exists, a very rare creature that we've never seen in North America. And it's very possible, so you never know. It's just the unknown side of this. And it's exciting to see a mountain lion on thermal imaging or a coyote or a wolf or a bear, as long as they're not 
coming up to visit you, but uh, <laughs> you know, it'd be quite interesting for these people to see what really goes on at night, night after night after night, which a lot of people don't have the advantage to do or don't have the time. Yeah, I, I would well, imagine you said, too. You're, not, you're recording all that that data, so frequency yep. of of all the animals in the air is going to be Every, valuable information. Everything. Right. Everything. We're not just out there to look for Sasquatch. We're out there to collect everything that lives out there with these amongst them. So we'll know plant life, everything. Uh, we got John, how do you pronounce his last name? I hate that name. Bendernagel? Um, no. Bendernagel or uh, uh, mitochondria? <laughs> Myonensi, yes. Yeah. I keep forgetting his name. He knows say. everything about plants. Yeah, he knows everything about plant life, so uh, we can collect everything out there uh, plant-wise that these creatures can see on. You know, this is not just going out there hunting for this creature. This is actually doing all research out there. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you just want to go out and find this creature. Well, that's not true. We want to know what else lives out there with these creatures. You know, it's not just this creature alone. And this is about education, you know, the education side is very important of what lives out there at nighttime. You know, it's not just, we're not just looking for one thing all the time. We're looking for everything that lives out there. And hopefully that we can film these creatures in the wild. And uh, that's our goal. That's it. You know, it's, it's just, that's it. However, well, because, there's other creatures that live out there. Yeah, besides filming, uh, and all that. What kind of uh, audio equipment are you bringing to the table out there? Uh, obviously, you're going to want to um, obtain audio. Yeah, we're going yeah, to collect audio. If I've had suggestions already, um, bionic ears, whatever they call them, the glass thing. But somebody mentioned, you know, when it rains, you're not going to hear nothing. Well, don't turn it on, I guess. Uh, yeah, like parabolic dishes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, we'll have those out there, I'm sure. I'm not worried about that part. My, my main concern is... Uh, Infrasound, um, communicating actually a form of communication, and hopefully I'm right, and people will be happy that something answered back, and you can actually hear it. I mean, actually see it as it happens. I guess you could say. And also, if I'm right about the infrasound, you'll understand what the other creatures are doing, uh, being quiet or whatever. All of a sudden, because of the infrasound, and that's a feeling. I mean, I've been out there three days, no sound at all. And all of a sudden, everything lights up because whatever was around was gone. And uh, I can't say if it was this creature or not, but however, the blue jays, the crows, the uh, sparrows, the squirrels, everything was quiet for three days in a row. And it was quite interesting. The third yeah. day was really interesting. I started getting a little leery. And uh, after the third day, everything lit up. Blue jays, mountain jays are very rare to be quiet. And when I seen that for three days, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And not even a frog or a cricket either. So that kind of tells you something. That's the reason I'm a firm believer in infrasound, because these creatures are scavengers, is what I call them. They'll eat anything, you know, to survive. And if I was a a cricket or a, a bird or whatever, I want to keep quiet if these things are around. I don't want to tell them where I'm at. Even the frogs go quiet, you know. I, that's strange. Why would a frog stay quiet for three days? I've seen this yeah. happen many a times out in the wilderness. Uh, not for three days, but for a whole night. 
then the next night everything will light up, especially in the summertime. Well, well, with so many so many reports that I've taken in personally and, and read and heard over the years, um, uh, before and after, say, uh, 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 an encounter, a sighting, um, the amount of wildlife that have gone quiet or it, you know, there's no noise coming from them is, is I, I find kind of compelling at times because even during my encounter back in 2011 uh, sighting, there was the lack of wildlife kind of blew me away along with my friends and there's so many reports out there of that sort of thing happening i don't i won't i won't say i attribute to infrasound just yet but it's a very high possibility uh, i can't rule it out oh yes i can't rule it out either because i've been out there when this has happened and i've read so many sightings where everything went quiet when these creatures were around when they were sighted or was around uh if a dog is tied up around a house it'll bark but if it's not tied up it'll cower so I've read many of sightings. I did a lot of research on people hiking with dogs out in the wilderness and had an encounter. And 99% of the time, the dogs will cower. Now, how do they know that creature is there without seeing it before the, the person seen it? So one thing I do believe about infrasound is that all dogs have wolf DNA in them. Wolves have been around these creatures for hundreds of thousands of years. And how can a city dog know what this creature is without seeing it? Possibly smelling it, some people say. Why is the wind going the other direction? Well, possible it's seeing it. Well, why if it's over the ridge? Well, there's no answer to that. So I want to believe that dogs know what these creatures are, and they know they will kill them. And I think that's the reason why they cower. And I think it has a lot to do with DNA, the wolf DNA in all dogs. It's like uh, DNA is being studied more and more in this research. It's just like you and me or have a trait that's from five generations ago. And that's because of DNA. So, you know, why can't dogs and things like that know? Why can't creatures in the woods know this uh, after hundreds of thousands of years living amongst them or around these creatures? So. That's the reason I'm very firm on the infrasound side of this. I might be wrong, but I don't think I'm too far off course. I think I'm pretty close to the answer to this. And if I can prove it, it'll make me happy. Yeah. Because I spent so much time learning about it. So. And, um, and you mentioned before, you mentioned before that you, you guys are not going to be out there, uh, at least as far as I know, knocking and doing calls and all that. Um, no. What is the main reason for that, uh, you know, especially with the knocking? You know, so many researchers go out there and bang trees or, uh, you know, hit rocks together. What's the main reason behind that? That's their reason. I think I heard somebody say they invented that. Uh, I'm sure these creatures do that. They throw rocks. They throw sticks. I'm sure they bang trees. Well, if they're territorial, like we think they are, they're going to tell us, they don't want us in their area. I'm sure they're going to answer us before we... I mean, they're, they're going to let us know before we let them know. I mean, they're going to know They're going to know we're there before we know they're there. So I have a feeling if they do tree knocks, it's going to happen on its own. The scream is going to happen on its own. If they're territorial, like everybody thinks they are, which I think they are myself. And, you know, like I said, you know, 
I don't mind if some of these guys out there try it every once in a while, see if they get a response. I don't mind that, but I'm not. It's not going to be a regular thing. Let me put it that way. Yeah. I'm not and into. It's not, a base, uh, it's not a basis for your research. You're not using it as a technique to. Yeah. I think. I think no. most of the time when people do that, it, I mean, it is. People do have responses and stuff when they do those use do. those techniques, but it's more uh, some kind of experience than than to conduct research. Well, another thing is, is that people hear tree knocks without doing tree knocks. Right. Right. So, so I think they're, they're not tree-knocking to us. They're tree-knocking to communicate between each other. So, yeah. Yeah, that's more important to me is them communicating to each other than it is right. for them to tree-knock back to me. I want to learn about these creatures. I want to learn well, why are they doing this. Is it a form yeah, of telling... That's the big question one? about doing... Yeah. Doing a, I, I never know when, you know, when uh, people are doing vocalizations, they... What what would the squatch even think about that? You know, look at <laughs> but, that! Like, what the hell human was that? out there screaming his head off? What is wrong with that guy? And, it, and they don't. And I ra- the I ra- language, they don't I'd rather have one. Yeah, I'd rather have one scream at one of my team members on the ground, just because you're in my territory and record it without uh, us doing it. Because if we do it, and then we send it out, the recording, and then they could say, well, possibly somebody else did it out there. And, you know, we, we hear this all the time. And uh, I'm not going to go that route. It's going to be natural. It's going to be sent in. It's going to be analyzed. And I get the results back whenever the results are done. And I can say good or bad or whatever. Like I said... I don't confirm nothing until the panel's done with it. I don't uh, say something's real until the panel's done with it. I don't do nothing until the panel's done, DNA, whatever. It's uh, it's up to them to tell me you hit the golden nugget. So it's even on the footage. Yeah. Um, I, I can look at it and be happy as a lark, but until it's overseen by the people who are supposed to oversee it, it's not real until they confirm it. And with the um, with the ground crew, are they going to be wearing specific clothing, or are they just bringing out what they're bringing out? Are they going to be wearing? I mean, are you one of those camel guys, or how how does that work? Well, I told everybody. I said, just bring what you need, your necessities, and dress warm and rain gear. So that's up to them, whatever they're comfortable with. If they need something they forgot, I'm sure I can get it to them. Oh, that's what you got runners for. That's right. Like I said, they're not going to be a mile off the road. They're going to be 5, 10, 15, 20 miles out there. You know, it's, it's not a day trip. Yeah, you're not uh, trying to hide from Sasquatch, uh, per se. No. Uh, no. No, not at all, right? <laughs> nope. We're going into an area, actually, I can tell you this much, it's very active on the outside in a large area, and we're almost 100% that they're in this area inside. So I can tell you that much on the area we're going into. Well, the area sounds fascinating, and you included uh, bodies of water as being uh, in the salmon run as being uh, um, some interest, the terrain and all that. 
Yes. A- a- anything else compelling about this certain area or areas, I should say, uh, that beside maybe the historical value, anything interesting about this area and why you chose those areas? Activity. Activity is number one. Water. Well, water is number one. Activity is number two. Water will be always number one on these creatures. Number one. And then activity. How much activity over the years in one one area has seen and been documented. And then that tells us that in that certain area and so many square miles that these creatures exist. And these are areas that we're looking at. This is the area where we pick is actually going to be very active, very active as possible, but also has a lot to do with the terrain. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we can go in places where you can't see the ground, but I'm not going to stick people in deep forests where they can't see nothing at night. Like I said, it has a lot to do with terrain. You know, we're not going to learn nothing if we can't see it. So, what about um, what about like animal populations? Do deer, bear, or coyotes um, play a role in in where you're going to? I have no idea until I get out there. I have no idea. Whatever lives out there amongst these creatures, we're going to document. Yeah, it'll be well documented. Yeah. Oh, yes, very well documented. This is part of the research. Learning. It's not knowing, it's learning, because we don't know. If we already knew, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, so I I would imagine... I would imagine... I would say, I would imagine that the first couple months out there is mainly being very observant um, and taking in data from the area of the local wildlife the terrain and all that, and then yeah. maybe after those first few months, after having people on the ground and everything, building up um, some patterns, some ideas, some some yep. uh, real evidence that you'll really get into some, like more of the Sasquatch uh, realm yes. of things. Yes, real tree twist I'm looking for. I've seen five in a row. Fresh ones totally blew me away. I never took pictures of them. I should have cut them down, but however, I didn't. It was just confirming from my own mind. See, there's one thing I do want people to know out there. All the years after my sighting, I had to confirm to myself this creature was real after my sighting. And I found so much evidence out there after five years out in the wilderness that it is real. I've seen one up close. I know it's real. I'm not doubting that a bit. I mean, 100% real. However, they're not just in one area. They're all over the place, actually. I was very amazed because I'd mined in different areas up in the Sierras, and every place I went had traces of these creatures. Now, the tree twist I found, the five in a row, it just blew me away how strong these creatures are. And that's another thing I'm going to document, and that's one of the workshop uh, evidence things that we're going to collect is tree twists, real ones. And there's a lot of things I see on the social networks and Bigfoot sites or whatever, these things, you know, if they want to call them tree twists, I've seen them naturally like that. But the ones I've seen, they're real. And no human did it. No other human or animal could have done what this thing did to these white trees. So there's a specific type of tree twist I'm looking for, and that will be actually documented, sent to university, um, strength of these creatures. It's unbelievable. Totally unbelievable. 
I mean, it blew me away. I mean, five trees in a row. And they were almost two inches thick on each one where it twisted the center of the sapling. Same height all the way. And each tree. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And it, was, it seemed like a marking or a show of strength or territorial marking or I don't know. We don't know what these tree twists are for. Only thing that never happened to me out there is nothing ever threw anything at me and I've never heard a scream. Other than that, I've, everything else has happened to me. So I've smelt them before. Man, they, they stink pretty bad. However, they have that light scent of a skunk like two miles away, three miles away where it smells nice, actually. The skunk smells good far away. Farther the better, actually. <laughs> However, yeah. um, that real slight sweetness I smelled. And I thought it was a dead animal at first, and I knew it wasn't because there was a cell tower out in the middle of, anywhere, in the middle of nowhere. Now you went up there at the same time every day, and the wind was changing the same time every day. I can tell you when the wind stops, and I can tell you when the wind picks up. I spent so many years out there. And it wasn't dead, whatever I was smelling. I drove up on one of these creatures, actually. And that's another thing that we want to learn is, is this a adrenaline gland that it uses as a defense, right. defense mechanism or is it something when they get startled? Uh, right. We don't know. So that's another thing that we want to learn about that because my encounter was three feet away and I never smelled nothing. So... It's kind of strange. My encounter was more of curiosity. That's the only thing I could figure after 45 minutes sitting here trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Right. And it was just curiosity. I went to sleep, actually, woke up the next morning and figured out how big it was while I was taking my campsite down, and I wasn't going to go looking for it. And my first was, how can you film this? Why, why cannot people film this creature in the wild? That was my main concern as I was moving my camp. And this is what it ended up to be, what I'm, where I'm at today. So it took from 1997 till today to get where I'm at. And regardless of the uh, outcome, regardless of what people are saying about it, I have to admit it's it's an amazing to me personally, it's an amazing endeavor. It's uh, where you've started, where you've come to. Um, it's amazing, and I'm really looking forward to your findings. Uh, this thing actually getting off, you know, off the ground, getting up and going. And uh, I'm looking really looking forward to what you, what the Falcon Project brings to the table. Um, it's unprecedented with both the the airship and the ground crew and the backers. Uh, and, and people vetting, you, you know, peer review. It's unprecedented. No one else has tried this, and I'm hoping the best for this. I really am. I'm, I'm a backer of this. I hope it, 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 you know, you guys really come away with uh, some compelling stuff, amazing thing all around. Well, the only way for this to work in anything is to build a foundation first. The foundation is the most important thing of any type of project, or research, or anything. You build a strong foundation, you have a better chance of succeeding. And that's the way you got to look at it. And, you know, if you don't succeed the first time around, you just keep going. You don't stop because you know it's real. So you can't stop. You just have to keep going until you 
until you find what you're looking for, and also educating the public. And uh, my whole deal is about education. I don't care what anybody else says about out there. Fund. I got to find a way to fund the university for years to come on this project. So I'm not done. I got a long road to go. So I've got I've got it started. I have to keep it funded and keep it going and let the university funded because I work under the, the university took my project up in five days, which is unprecedented in this field of work. There's no other university in the United States that actually does Sasquatch research. So that's a first. Mm-hmm. And I was very surprised how fast they took the subject up for me. And thanks to Dr. Meldrum, he's the one that presented it to the university and the university okayed it. However, we have to raise our own funds. We're not funded by any government institution. We're only funded by public and corporate. That's it. That's it. So a lot of people think we have deep pockets, like I said before. That's a joke. We're not getting rich. But I do believe in making a pay job for these people. I'll say it again. Because they're doing the work out there to educate the public, you people out there, and I think they should be paid for it. You know, there's well, a lot of people who think that they shouldn't be, but however, that's well, the direction I'm going. Well, the extreme length they've gone to make this come into fruition and the amount of hurdles that you have passed in itself is amazing to me. Um, Gunner, I think we're down to a couple of minutes here. Yep. Yeah, no, we really appreciate you coming on. I mean, uh, is there any, if there's a way to, that Monster Extras want to, to, uh, support you, what is what is the number one thing that, that uh, you're looking for? You're, it, that'd be runners. Is that correct? Yes. I need to okay, the, the best way to reach you is by phone and email, and those, both of those are up on uh, the Monster X Facebook page. And yep. uh, as as William has said, he, he'll get back to you if you uh, – um, are interested in supporting the the Falcon Project by being a runner. Well, um, let me put it this, go ahead. Let me put it this way: If somebody emails me, I call them. I'm old school. I there don't you go. wait three or four days. I don't wait three or four days to call. In fact, a guy emailed me yesterday. I called him probably in five minutes. I, I answered well, I couple, all my emails. A couple people. A couple people have expressed interest in uh, in supporting you by being a being a runner for the project, so um, hopefully uh, you'll. I've got a NPR. NPR is doing an article on this in Washington this week. It'll be out in the end of the month, and also a Wall Street Journal sent an article out on this front page. That'll be out anytime now. Um, this has grown so big that everybody wants to help me out. I guess you could say. Um, Anything will help us, runners, even donations. I'm not shy to ask anymore. Um, but I have funding coming in, so anything helps. But, however, any extra does help even more. <laughs> not, I'm not shy about that anymore. So, uh, But runners, I do need supply runners. And those supply runners can turn into researchers on the, in the ground when somebody drops out or has to... Um, has to family problems or whatever they can take their place for whatever time it takes or somebody doesn't want to do it anymore and take them full time 
So, you know, once you're in there, you, you stay in there, I'll keep you. Um, but the supply runners are very important. you got to be healthy. You're not talking uh, a few miles. And if we're way out there, I'll have a relay team. You go part way, and then the other team will take it the rest of the way. And then when they come back, get out and vice versa. So the farther we get out, the more runners I'm going to need. Uh, it's kind of hard to supply batteries and stuff on a daily basis. So uh, it's very important. The runners are the bloodstream of the whole project. If it wasn't for them, it wouldn't be possible. So that's very important. That's one of the most important jobs of the whole project is the supply runners. I'm not saying the guys out there in the field are not important, uh, but they can't survive without the runners. So, well, it's one big team. So yeah, they. Yes. Very important. We're job. all one. Everybody's we're all one team to together. Yes. And it should be quite so, interesting. So. So if you're looking, if that's but, something you're interested in, go to um, the Monster X Facebook page. Uh, we posted. William's uh, information there, so get a hold of him, and he, he he won't just email you back; he'll call you back on a on a telephone. So, make yeah, make sure they don't be surprised. A lot of people won't leave a phone number, so make sure you leave a phone number so I can call. That's right. Yeah, leave a phone number for sure. So he is old school and will call you back by phone. William, thanks oh, for yeah. being here. Do you have anything else you want to cover before we sign off? No, I think we did pretty well. Um, seems like we're going to be doing a lot more of this pretty soon. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I'm I, glad to I have you. I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a good have you on the show, so. sure. And we'll we'll check back in with you as, as the project goes on forward. And I, I, for one, and I know Shane is excited about seeing the results, and we wish you much, much success and um, check back in with us for sure. Oh. oh, yeah, you can call me anytime. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, everybody, thanks again for, for joining us tonight on Monster X. Um, we'll see you back here next week, and uh, have a great week, and stay uh, keep it squatchy. Appreciate it, man. You guys have a good night. Thank you. Hey, you too. Hey, bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.